I'm going to hit that so that we can get ourselves together. Grandmother's on her way. There's a lot going on today. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you read the papers or not. Or... Yeah, I've been reading the papers. That's why I'm so informed. That's why I'm so informed. Yeah, yeah. So this is what we're going to do. My dear granny is going to open us in prayer like we do on Sunday. Mm. And uh, she's going to get that. And then Mama Belle will play her one song. Now, if you feel like doing your anthem, you can. I'm not going to push that. But if you feel like it, uh, you can do that. But uh, we're going to at least get one good good selection out of you. And then we got some things on our mind that we want to talk about today. Uh, we want to head back to that 14th chapter of Exodus today and just poke around for a little bit. We're going to do a little civics today, if you don't mind. But first, my dear granny, she'll pray, uh, have a little moment of meditation, a little reflection, if you please, about the next 10 minutes or so, and every way that's on her mind. And then following her prayer, Mom Belle, you can uh, you kind of make your way towards that piano party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Gracious and all wise Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for another opportunity, O oh God, to come before you, to tell you thank you for all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. We just thank you, God, because of who you are. We give you all the honor, all the praises, and all the glory. We just want to tell you thank you. And as we go forth this day, God, we ask you to lead us, guide us, and protect us. Show us your way, dear God. Speak through our lips of clay. Fill our mouths with your word, God, that we may be shining lights in this dark world. Help us, O oh God, to depend on you, knowing, O oh God, that you are in control of every situation. O oh God, we <clears throat> praise you this morning. We come, O oh God, looking to you for our help, for our strength. You said lean not to our own understanding but in all our ways acknowledge you. And God, we come acknowledging you this morning because we need you. God, we need you this morning. God, we need you. There's trials and tribulations and situations, God, that we don't understand. Things that are going, come up upon us, God, we don't understand. We don't know how to fix it. And we can't fix it, God, but we're depending on you to you fix it for us, God. We're laying our petitions at the altar this morning and asking you to work it out. You know all about it. We know about it. You know, God. You know everything. You see everything. And so we're just laying out at your, at your feet this morning. And asking you, dear God, to work it out. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we trust in you this morning, depending on you. You told us, oh, God, to come closer to you. You told us, oh, God, just trust you. You told us to fear not and be not dismayed. Whatever come our way, God, we know that you are there. We know that you understand all things. And you told us not to be dismayed, not to worry, not to get frustrated, frustrated, not to, oh, God, get all upset about the situation. 
but depend on you. And we come in this morning, dear God, depending on you to work out every situation. You know what the enemy has thrown out. You know the problems, God. And, God, we just want to let you say, let's just tell you thank you. We just want to tell you thank you, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, shine your light on us, God. Help us to see ourselves, God. Help us to take inventory of what we are about, oh, God, and help us to get God, that we might be the people that call us to be. Help us, dear God. We depend on you this morning, God, and we love you, God. Look on every listening ear this morning. <coughs> Look on every situation. Trust God. Trust you. Trust you. Oh, God, look on our children. Look on our grandchildren. Look on our families everywhere. You know God, look in the schools this morning. You know the problem in all these schools, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we just have schools before you this morning. Schools, colleges, and oh, God, private schools, God. Oh, God, you know it's all about it. We ask you for peace, joy, and love in these schools, God, that the kids can learn. Oh, look on the farmers on the beat, our farmers out there, God. Oh, God, they need your protection. The policemen's on the beat, God. We lift them up, the bus drivers, oh, God. We lift it up before you, the truck drivers, God. You know who's out there on the highways and the byways, God. You know the situation, God. But we're praying for them this morning, God, that you will keep them safe out there. Oh, God, them long-distance trucks, God. You know it's all about them out there in the snow and the slipping and sliding, God. But help them, oh, God. Straighten them up. Straighten them up, up God. We put it all in your hands this morning, God, because you see that situation out there, God, and you know they don't, they can't handle it. But God, in the name of Jesus, we know you can handle it. Work it out for them this morning, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, look on your ministers, look on your rabbis, your priests, look on everybody. Oh, God, have mercy, oh, God. This is your world. This is your world. Father, this is your world. And, oh, God, we need you. Oh, God, we need you. We need you, God. Oh, gracious Father, help us just to look and depend on you. Help us to trust you, oh, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, take our eyes off of the situations and put our eyes on you. You thank you. We praise you. We love you, God. And we magnify your name this morning, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we just want to say thank you. We praise you. We love you, God, for who you are. Oh, God, for what you have done to us. You have been brought us a mighty, mighty long way, God. You brought us through trials and tribulations, things that we saw that we didn't even see, God. But yet you brought us to this day, and we want to tell you thank you. We want to tell you thank you, God. We want to praise you. We want to magnify your name, God. Oh, God, we give your name. We give your name all the, all the praises. And help us to always remember. It's help us to always remember that we can do all things through Christ that strengthen us. God, if we just keep our eyes on you, you will strengthen us to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a blessed day.
Well, you know, I thought you was tired, <laughs> but but you was just so good. Yeah. Thank you. God always makes a way. <laughs> I, I'm going to read the text. If you would like to play that, I'm going to take two seconds and read this, or we can just get our Bibles open to Exodus 14 while she hot. And uh, I'm just going to read one portion of this, and then Mama Bell can play. Um, Exodus 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and they would... Let me read that again. Exodus 14, verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. Uh, I want to talk about a scared people, a scared people. And they had a section 
in the facility where they call the holding section. They had paramedics and different medical personnel there uh, just to watch you for a few minutes because that initial shock is a little bit of a doozy. I believe as a people, as a race, the initial shock is a little bit of a doozy. And I have found and discovered in my now close to 40 years of life that you don't take that initial shock personally. To some of us, that is the most intimidating uh, moment in time, the most intimidating period of time. That's why we're scared to talk to folks. Oh, I ain't going to tell them because they're going to go off on me or, or they're going to yell at me, or they're going to scream at me, or they're going to hurt my feelings. That initial shock is a very, very painful, very, very painful moment in time. All that said, it's going to sound like I'm attacking old people, but I'm not attacking old people. I would like to bring awareness to a struggle we have in our culture. Coming up here in November, everybody knows that we have a national election. We have a national crisis, as some would say. But what most folks are not discussing, at least they haven't yet discussed, is there is a severe local crisis that is coming up. Your city, for those of you who live in Norfolk and who share that as home, I say that because there's some folks who uh, have interests here but are not directly living here, which is a problem that I would like to pose if I could just insert that right up in here, uh, that you have children that have property or, uh, or are responsible for saying who they are pieces of this town that are directly impacting their finances and their financial way of life, and yet they have no say in the overarching or overall decisions that happen here in our time. They, for the most part, have to uh, fight their battles or, or have their voice by proxy because you're not allowed to vote in a state or in a city that you do not directly live in even though you are allowed to own property, which is a problem that I must submit to you for consideration because when you look at the original text of the Constitution, it is designed to protect people with property. Your property is your voice. If you've got your deed and your citizenship, you got a voice. Now, we don't have to get into constitutional law and what the framers actually meant. That's people who argue that all day on TV. But I would like to submit to you for consideration just this one little piece that's happening here. Uh, your whole city in the next four years will be redefined. In the next four years, the whole top layer of government is projected to be no more. Every council chair, for the most part, bar one, has been projected to be up for grabs in the next four years, next two to be precise. 
this coming election in January, you have three persons on the ballot, and two of them are not seeking re-election. Your city, as I said, is set up in wards. You have wards one through five, and then out of those five wards, you have two super wards. What that does is that splits your city in half. For the most part, it's east versus west, and the west is run what it calls Super Ward 6. That right now has been uh, chad, if you will, has been represented, if you will, by one Andrea McClellan who announced a couple of days ago that she's not seeking re-election. The second half, or the more eastern half, is represented by a young lady named Danica Royster, who yesterday announced she's not seeking re-election. So that's the whole part of your city from a super ward that will be totally different come January. Then when you hit January we start the conversation about wars one through five. And for the most part, five being Mr. Schmeagle and uh, three being Miss Johnson and two being uh, Miss, uh, uh, who you call that lady name over there? Can't think of her name right now. Uh, bless her heart. And then one being Mr. Martin Thomas. For the most part, all of those persons, bar one, the one that I can't think of over there in Ghent, Lord bless her hand. Little long hand, ponytail woman, short woman, white woman. I can't think of her name right now. Bless her heart. That one. Many people have not uh, predicted or have not clearly predicted if she will return. But the other ones have already said they're done. We knew Martin Thomas. Martin Thomas Ward 1 over there by the, uh, the uh, Lamb, not Lambeth Point, over there by Ward's Point in that area. Heading over towards uh, Ocean View, around Tidewater. We knew that was up for grabs when I ran last year, year four last semester. That, so that was coming due. Why am I telling you all this stuff? Because you're going to see some names pop up that I call the political ambitious. The folks who only run for office any time a chair is open. You ain't heard from them. You haven't seen them. You don't even know what they're doing. But the moment a chair come open and the possibility of getting and maintaining some power, here they come. And a lot of us will just vote them in because they come to our civic league meetings or they come to our circle meetings or they come to our churches and bring us a turkey or some chicken dinner. And they sound good. And we'll vote them in because they they got a good uh, pandering message. They can they can uh, what they call it. I'm trying to think of the word that goes there. I like to say patronize, but they can placate. That's what I was looking for. Thank you for letting me blunder. They can placate very well. They can tell you old folks what you want to hear. And I said it like that because that's what they're doing. They're telling you old folks what you want to hear. Just you can go down to the polls and vote for them. I remember some years ago I went to a, a little shindig to uh, talk with a gentleman. Uh, Mama Mildred was over there at that little shindig. Uh, 
when this gentleman came in. And he was talking good, came from his name to save my life and soul. But he was connected to Brother Gonzi West. I ain't talk about him because he's no longer with us. And, and, and so he didn't get affected. Well, he can't because he ain't here no more. But he came up. He was leading this gentleman. And, and I went out in the parking lot, and I said to him, I believe it was over at Norview we went to this thing, and I said, you have a great populist message, but our town is 40% young. Well, they ain't going to vote, so I have to cater to the old people. And I asked him one day, in that, that same context, maybe some times, a little short time after that, we met at a coffee shop, now that I remember, over off Granby Street. I believe it's called Posters over there. And we sat down and had a conversation. I asked him, I said, you know, every month we lose a percent of young people. They get a one-way ticket out of this town. Some of you, and I said to him, some of you and your friends are suggesting that your children leave. That's the question that I want you to submit. I want to submit to you for consideration this morning, if I can, my dear grandmamas and my dear grandpas, my dear mamas and my dear fathers. These folks who are running for office, ask them where their children are. They didn't ship them out of here. They didn't ship them to Atlanta. They shipped them to New York. They shipped them to Georgia. They shipped them to the West Coast somewhere. They're hiding out in Texas. They're not hiding out. They're actually building up in Texas. They're building up over there in Austin and, 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 and where the tech companies are going, where Elon is going, and where Mark Zuckerberg is going. And now they're talking about moving a little bit of Microsoft over there, moving a little bit of Apple over there. They're going to Chicago because they can get into the cultural uh, community. They can get into the arts community. Ask them where their children are going. And then when they come talk to you, ask them by the, by the fact that their children are leaving, what does that mean for you still living here? Now, I know what some folks going to say, and it used to bother me uh, when they say this, well, well, you know, I'm just laying here waiting for God. I, my children are grown. I don't care about this, what's going on in the world, because ain't nothing I can do about it. And I get that. I get that. It bothers me, but I get that. But let me tell you why it bothers me. Because when your young people leave, your wheel-turning members of society leave. You can't pull the grind no more. You can't push the wheel no more. And if you can't push the wheel, then how does the Norfolk wheel turn if all our children are leaving? They're going to turn the wheel in Chicago. They're going to turn the wheel in New York. They're going to turn the wheel in Miami and in, in, in other parts of Florida. They're going to turn the wheel in Texas or in California. But the wheel here is getting less manned and less turned. Now, what does that mean? The city got to run because you're still breathing. The city got to stay open for business because you still breathing. 
And so now the city has to rely on older people who are already retired, already on fixed incomes, already has to get subsidies, and we have to rely on a city on you to turn the wheel when you can't turn it no more. See, that's the problem I have, my dear grandmothers, my dear grandfathers, my dear mothers, my dear daddies, with this placating to y'all society. Because they won't tell you that at the end of the day, they're going to hurt you by placating to you. They just want you to go down and cast a vote for them, but they can't do nothing for you because you can't do and the young people gone. So I ask you, ask them. Why we can't bring some tech jobs here? Ask them. Why we can't empower young people to be creative here? Ask them. Something in the water. We still ain't figured out what that is, but it comes here twice a year. But what happens the other 10 months when Pharrell is gone somewhere over there on the Pacific or on the other side of the Atlantic or wherever he is with his little Louis Vuitton. I ain't got no problem with him. Out there selling his $1,000 shirts and his $10,000 pair of pants. Hey, he, that's his business model. Somebody buying them. But what happens here while he's gone 10 months out the year? Where does our creative scene go? And then when he shows back up, who gets the rub when he comes? When 90% of his business is imported in. Because <laughs> when he comes, he's trying to sell some tickets. That's just facts. You hate Pharrell. No, I'm just reading facts. He's selling tickets. And little Bootsy that you don't know, ain't going to buy, yeah, you, you going to buy a ticket for Lil Boosie? You don't know who that is. But you know who Justin Timberlake is, who the Jonas Brothers is. Jay-Z is. You know who Snoop Dogg is. And so he knows if you put those names on a marquee, the people are going to buy the tickets because that's what they know. So what happens to the entertainment and the creative scene when he's gone? That's one thing I want you to ask. The second thing I want you to ask is how we keep pushing a party-time society. You can't get anything accomplished in your culture because your government is part-time. Some of these folks running got full-time jobs, or if they don't, they retired, so mean they don't have to care. There's two problems to that culture. Number one, you have nothing invested in it. Your money's still going to run every 15 and 30, so ain't so much tearing you going to do. Ask them this. They're telling you. And if their money is not running every 15 and 30, then they got to worry about how they're going to make their money every 15 and 30. And so self-preservation is a great nation. They want to worry about their business before they worry about yours. All that is is a simple charter change and saying that the government at the highest level should be full-time. 
Don't nobody want to do that because the people who are politically ambitious then can't do it if they got to work a full-time job downtown while also maintain their full-time job wherever they are. So they're not going to push that agenda because they want to be the rubber chicken dinner government. They want to go down with the two chicken legs, five string beans, and the drizzle and just sit there with all the political elites and laugh and joke and talk about what should be done, but the truth of the matter is they ain't got time to pull off that maiden face. There's something else I want you to ask. And the third piece that I want you to ask, that I am not a proponent of pushing the old out. I do not subscribe to pushing the old out. I believe and I have preached for, for how long we've been preaching here, that God does not waste time nor does he waste breath, and the fact that you are still breathing means that he has something for you. I said that. You heard it. But at the same time, if your city, if your economics is not turning more useful, then that little letter that Don has to send you, that little piece of paper with some numbers on it, you call that a tax bill that gets higher and higher because as we sit right now, you are still in your condition, in your feeble state, in your weakened condition, in your olden years. You are still carrying the burden of the city of Norfolk. That is the fact. And until we get more young and invest more in the future, you will continue to be burdened. You will continue to carry the load because we can't take it off of you because we got nowhere else to put it. That's what they're not going to tell you, all them ambitious political people that want to be in your face here in the next six to ten months. They ain't going to tell you that because they want to placate to you because they want you to put them in office. Why, they shipping their kids halfway around the country. I love me some people, and I don't want to start naming some names, but go ask them where their kids are. Ask them. Ain't none of them here. And the ones that are here are only here because our education system is cheap, because our intern system is a little bit in, uh, more easy to get into, but they'll take that little internship, that little entry-level program, they'll work their resume up a little bit, polish it off, and then they're on a plane out of here one way. Ask them. Make them tell you the truth. So this morning, why did I select this text? And I'm going to get out your hair. Because I recognize that we are a scared people. We've always been a scared people. That's just how we operate. We move. We, we move. Our mode, our main mode is from a position of fear. Always has been. 
First time something happens, we get scared. When we talk about it, we get scared. And the reason why that fight mentality comes out, that I don't want to, they're going to yell at me, they're going to scream at me, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, it's not that they're angry with you. It's that they're scared of what you just told them. But nobody wants to admit that they're scared. That looks weak. That looks like a punk. I ain't no punk. I ain't no little sissy. So we'll back away from that fear, or at least the appearance of saying, so we go to toughness and mad and anger and hope that overpowers being scared. But you're really scared. You see that bill and the numbers on it is a little bit astronomical, and you know what they're asking you to put out. You know what you got coming in. You're scared. You look around your home and you may see some challenges. Maybe something wrong with the roof, something wrong with what one or two of the walls, or one of your appliances may have some little difficulties or something. Anything, insert whatever here. You're scared. The problems are getting harder, but the check and your abilities are getting weaker. And you are scared. I get it. I didn't before. I used to thought you were evil people. I'm just telling you the truth. I didn't want to talk to you because you just going to get mad at me. just going to yell and scream at me. It would be psychologically and mentally a problematic to even address you. But I had to understand you can't take it personal, boy. We all scared and don't know what to do. So I submit to you. I said that four times, but preachers, you know, we got to close nine times, then we finally do it. But this time I mean it. Let's get on out of here. I submit to you in this moment of spiritual civics, spiritualized civics, that the good Lord above, we, my prayer for you, my prayer, this is my prayer. We're going to take a moment and a minute to reflect. But my prayer is that you will see this the way it is. Not emotionally. Not based upon the knowledge that we may have or, or the information that we once had. But see what's happening now. There's a brother, and I'm not going to, you might know him if I tell you, but I'm not going to mention his name, but he's out there in the streets, and he's fighting to get Donald Trump removed from the ballot. It's a great aspiration. I think the little man shouldn't be on the ballot no more. But the problem is, putting him off the ballot, what does that do when all I got to do is go down and you ever heard of a thing called writing it? Removing him does not exactly fix it. It's convincing the people that this is a bad idea, which that is the problem for a lot of our cultures because we can't get along together, because we can't find a way to work together, because we feel most of our time fighting each other. Instead of uniting our voices together, we can end this man tomorrow if you unite your voices together and focus on what makes sense. And the final piece, as I said, is our moment of reflection. We can take a pause right here.
just right through here. They used to sing a song down in the church saying, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh, Lord. I'm standing in the need of prayer. It's also in that text, or somewhat connected to, at least in my mind, a little song that says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. So be still and know that I am your God. Maybe you are finding yourself this morning, and I don't want to publicly call you out because that's that's just not fair. But if you take a personal reflection in your heart, you can see I am scared. I don't want to admit it because I know what that's going to do to me socially, but, but Lord, you know inside of here, you know what's going on in that little heart of mine. I'm scared this morning, dear Jesus. I've seen all this stuff on the news. I heard what's going on around me. And I'm scared. We're crying out for help this morning. We're crying out for courage this morning. For wisdom and guidance, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. Help us this morning. And those who believe that the Lord hears and answers your prayer, we all respond with with a howdy. Amen. And now unto him is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that rests within us, that is rested then, that rests now, and that will rest forevermore. Until we meet again on the glorious day known as Sunday, we all declare amen Amen. and amen. Amen.